I was so touched by the presence of God and uh, just in my heart, just, just a fresh desire to, to go out and reach people and to reach past my own uh, insecurities, reach past my own boundaries and, and just go and reach, uh, bring hope to people in, in the name of Jesus. And our community certainly needs Jesus and even people are watching online. People are needing hope in, in their life and, uh, and you can be the answer to somebody else's, to, to somebody's need. Doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what, what's going on in your life right now. Sometimes you can get so consumed with all the things in your life or what's going on around you that you just become blind to the world. And, you're, and uh, the Bible clearly says that wherever the river flowed, that there was where, that's where there was healing. And uh, I encourage you where, in your life, let the river flow. Let the presence of God flow out of your life. Don't be a, don't be a geek about it. Just, I mean, be, you know. Yeah. yeah. But I want to, uh, want to d- just bring to you a message this morning and uh, something for me personally I, I just have to walk through and I continually have to walk through and I really pray this morning that it encourages you and lifts you up and uh, it's called hitting the wall and um, hitting the wall. Come on, somebody say hitting the wall. And uh, in Joshua chapter 5 where Joshua comes, uh, Joshua chapter 6 where Joshua, they've walked through, wandered through the desert for 40 odd years, this is the second time coming to the promised land, and Joshua, he must have been, in a, uh, he must have been 60 plus, but because uh, uh, simply by, uh, you know, he wandered in the desert for 40 years, it was likely that he was 20 years old or around 20 when they first saw the promised land. So it's about this time, about 40 years later, so he's in his 60s at this point, where he comes to the city of Jericho, and, and the Bible says now that, Jer- that Jericho was securely shut up. In other words, he gets to this place, and Jericho itself, the city that represented the uh, major, a major uh, threshold in the promised land, the Bible says that it was clearly shut up. Nobody went in, and nobody went out. And she was shut tight. <laughs> It was fully fortified. It was fully closed. It looked like on the outside. But the Bible, and then the Lord says this amazing word. First word it says, see. See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's an amazing little paradox because when you look at that, what, the, what it just said now, Jericho was securely shut up. Nobody went in. Nobody went out. It was tight. But the Lord said, see, I have given it into your hand. Today I want to talk about the whole, the whole idea of, of vision, and, and I want to start to uh, just help us over, the, over this next little while uh, unpack what vision is. He says, see, I have given Jericho into your hands, and one of the things I, as I started to look at that is this, that all of us hit the wall in our life to one degree or another. All of us, I mean, none of us are going to come to a fortified, a literally fortified city built with bricks and stones like that, and it's going to be fully shut up. We're not going to do that. However, all of us will come to a point in our life where we hit the wall in some way. Jericho was a wall. So Joshua, at 60 years of age, 60 plus years of age, he came to another place in his life where he hit the wall. All of us will come to a place where we hit the wall in some form or another. It may be a big wall or it may be just a gutter. (laughs) Even a gutter is a wall of some sort. All of us will find ourselves in a place where we kind of hit the wall, where we come to a place of decision. We come to a place where uh, it's 
it's a wall. It's a, like I said, it's either a gutter or it's either a, or it's a big wall. You'll find that we come to a, we often hit ourselves and we come to a place where we hit a wall in many aspects of our life. Maybe you hit a wall in terms of your marriage. Amen. Hello. Maybe you're here today and your marriage has hit a wall. Maybe just even a gutter. Maybe a big wall. Whatever, how big the wall is, you get to a point where you hit the wall. Maybe you come to a place where you're in your business or in your finances or in your emotions. Wherever you are in your life, it doesn't matter, every, any aspect, maybe in terms of leadership, there are many times in my life I come to a place where I hit the wall. Maybe you're here today and you found yourself in a place where you've hit the wall. You've come to a defining moment. It's obvious it's in your way. You've hit your, and sometimes our heart gets to a place where our emotions get to a place where we hit the wall. Literally, it's almost like our emotions get out of our soul, give us a slap on the cheek and come back inside. You hit the wall. I want to encourage you, and how this is connected to prosperity, because often we think of prosperity or growth being just a beautiful, steady climb up. <laughs> Let me tell you, most of the time it's not like that. Most of the time your walk with God, your growth with God, your growth in your marriage, your growth in your finances, your growth... And every aspect of your life really has an inclination just smooth like that. Most of the time, you'll find that your growth in life, your growth in your marriage, your growth in your leadership, your growth in business, your growth in your heart, your growth in every aspect of your life will most likely have a stair shape to it. In other words, you're, you're plateauing along like that, and then boom, you hit a wall. How many people know what I'm talking about? And then, depending on how you see that wall, interesting what the Lord said, see I have given into you, see I have given Jericho into your hand. In other words, the whole way that the Lord saw this wall was completely different to how other people saw it. And you'll find that that is what causes us to grow. For some people, our, our, our lives can be, our growth path can be like this. We come along, we hit a wall, we climb up it, uh, and then go like that. Some people, they hit a wall, and then they think, well, what the heck is this about anyway? I had no idea there was supposed to be a wall here in the first place. And they stay living on this plane of life here. But you'll find when you get up and over that wall, this is what leadership is about. It's to be able to help people getting up over their walls in their life and up to a new plane of living. And that wall can either be a ladder for you to climb up to your next space of life, or it can be a place of offense for you to stay back where you are, depending on how you look at it. It's all in a matter of perspective. You'll find that your walk in life, sometimes you'll have little gutters going up like that. Sometimes you'll have big walls that you just have to climb up. That's why we need vision, and that's why we need people in our lives to help us up. You'll find that all of us will hit a wall and sometimes in your life. Sometimes you'll find that your, your, your growth in life will be not a, just a steady even climb up like that, but you'll find it will be an up and then it'll be down, and then it'll be up and down again, and then it'll be up again. And then you'll find, if you look over a period of time, with your ups and your downs, you'll find that over time you grow. You'll find that you'll grow over a set of time, and you'll find that your growth in life is never just 
consistent, a, a consistent inclination up. It's not like that. It's unrealistic. What you'll find is your growth life, your, your prosperity, your, your walk into prosperity, your walk in your marriage, your walk in your business, the walk in your every aspect of your life will be made up of a whole pile of ups and downs. But as you consistently, when you trust the Lord, when you allow him to, uh, to, to work in your life, you'll find that over time, doesn't matter if you've got a few downs or lows in your life, you'll find that as long as you keep your eyes lifted up towards heaven, as long as you keep your, uh, your perspective focused on the Lord, you'll find that you'll consistently just start to grow up over a period of time. Where I am as a leader today, I can tell you, not, I can tell you now, it is certainly not by any means, but be plain sailing. Every week I face walls. Hello? They may not be massive walls, but some are massive, some are... My leadership growth is full of ups and downs, but overall it's going up. Perspective. When you hit a wall, it's all about perspective, how you see that wall. Many people in here, I can tell you now, you'll be facing a wall of some sort in your life. But if you can fix your perspective, and this is what I want to open up for you today, when we hit the wall, we, when there is a, here's another, another way of saying hitting the wall, when there is a profound dissonance of what something is and what something ought to be. <laughs> what something is or so, what, the reality of what you're facing in your life and what things ought to be or what you, have, what you saw in your heart that they ought to be. It's that space there. It's kind of like hitting the wall. It's like you get to a space in your life where you're, OMG. <laughs> what I thought about this is not like that, what things ought to be or not. This is true in terms of society. It's terms, true in terms of your emotions and your, your internal life. It's true in every aspect of your life. In our nation, we can come to a place where we can hit a wall. What ought to be is not so. And you'll find that there's a place where you hit a wall. There's not a person in this place today or watching online you'll find that this is not applicable to. But our response to that, how we see that and how we respond to it, makes all the difference. Today I want to help you, encourage you with that. One of the things we recall, prior to uh, Joshua chapter 5, Moses sent 12 men to spy out the land. The men were leaders, princes of their tribes, they were people of distinction. These people that went out to spy the land, they were not their ordinary Joe Blow. They were a spy, they were, they were people that were leaders on the inside. They were, they were people of position. They were people of significance. They went out to spy the land. And one thing the Lord, that Moses said to them was, be of good courage when you go. In other words, let your heart be of good courage. Make sure that you go in the right space of heart when you go into that space. Because I don't know what you're going to find there. But just be of good courage. I can't tell you what your promised land's going to be looking like. I can't tell you what's on the other side of that wall. But what I can encourage you to do is be of good courage. Whatever you face, whatever gutter you face, whatever wall you face, whatever mountain you face, just be of good courage. Let that be the thing that sits in your heart because you're going to need it. <laughs> And, that, and so 10 of them come back with a demoralizing report. The land, they said, is, yes, it is good indeed. It does flow with milk and honey, but the people are strong. The cities are large and well fortified. Caleb tried to calm the people and said, we can do it. 
But the ten said that it could not be done. The people are stronger than we are. We are gi- we, they are giants. We are grasshoppers. Again, it's all about a matter of perception, how you see what you see. All of us can see the same thing. All of us can see the same circumstance. All of us can see the same person. All of us can see the same event. All of us can see the same situation. All of us can see exactly the same thing, but yet see it and interpret it in completely different ways. Perception is so powerful. That's why the media is so uh, rampant on it, because if they can shift perception, they can shift, uh, they can shift what goes on inside of a person's heart. I'm not going to go into this right now. But what they, this whole particular issue had, it had to do with the way they saw and how they interpreted what they saw. So Joshua and Caleb saw exactly the same things. Ten other guys saw exactly the same things. But they saw them in completely different lights and interpreted completely opposite what was the reality. You'll find that in your course of growth, you'll see circumstances. You will come up with walls. You'll come up, and all of us can see the same thing. We might see the same people, but you could see them in a different way. In John, uh, I think it was in John 9, Jesus is walking along the road with his disciples, and they saw the man that was lying on the side of the road, and the blind man. And the first thing that the disciples said when they looked at this man, the first thing they asked was this, who sent him or his father that he's like this condition? And Jesus said, neither of them, neither of them sinned, Yet he is like that, that the glory of God can be revealed in him. Two people, more than two people, saw the same man. Some saw, the same, saw that man as somebody who had failed and made a mistake. But what, they, what was in their heart was, where is the fault? Where is the sin? Why is he like this? Where is the fault? Where is the sin that needs to be fixed? Jesus didn't see that. Jesus saw an opportunity for the glory of his Father to be made manifest in the earth through a broken person. You'll find that there's a lot of broken people around you. It's very easy to find fault and to see them in a way, where's the, where's, the, where's the fault in his life? Sure, that's something that needs to be addressed, but you can see the same people, the same circumstance, but completely in- interpret what, what we see. These people did so in a negative way, which has ended up being damaging to their self-respect and became fatalistic to them. So how you see what you see is really, really important for your destiny. How you see what you see, how you see that circumstance, how you see this church, how you see me, how you see the person next to you, how you see your finances, how you see your job, how you see your boss at your job, even how you see your dog, maybe not your dog, but it doesn't really matter. How you see what you see. Sometimes you're faced with a wall of finances. What ought to be is not what it should be. What it is is not what it ought to be. You'll find with then what? Now what? Now what? What's going to happen now? How you see that will literally shape your destiny. It's not the demons inside or anything like that. It's how you see what you see. You and I can see the same circumstance completely different. We see the same circumstance but come out with a completely different interpretation. And so there's a terrible event. The Bible says that the people lost heart. They said these words, if only we had died in Egypt, let us get a better pastor and go back to the way things used to be. 
ever get somebody a little bit older or younger? I don't know. Just, some, just get just. Pastor Moses isn't speaking. I think he's led, up, led us up a wrong path. Let's go back. I oh, forget this church business. I'll just go back to my own home. Go back to how life used to be. I'll go back to just, I don't know, just doing my thing before I even started coming. What's the whole point of coming to church anyway on a Sunday? What's the whole point of getting up and praying? What's the whole point of this anyway? When you start to see church in that light, when you start to see the body of Christ in that light, what's the whole point of it? They start to lose heart. The moment you start to lose heart, you start to go back. God became angry. Moses pleaded for mercy. God relented. Eventually, it came back to Moses, Caleb and Joshua would live to enter that land. But the rest would wander in the wilderness for 40 years. All because of the report that they heard from somebody else. How you see what you see, and then how you communicate what you see, really important. Destinies are held in the balance. That's why the Bible says, be careful that you, be careful what you write on social media, the Bible says. It doesn't say that. So sometimes you're better to keep your trap shut. By saying that, sometimes you're better off not posting some stuff on Facebook because it creates an impression that can cause other people to sin and actually their destinies can be at stake. Be careful what you come into an agreement because perception is so powerful and so sneaky at the same time. That's one of the reasons why I went to see um, one of, uh, meet with Brian Tamaki. Perception is so easy. Has anyone ever met him? No. I don't want my opinions, I don't want my attitude or my feeling towards him to be shaped by what the media says. I want to go and meet the guy for myself. He's going to come here and preach. It's essential to understand this. The passage is the fact that there are, the report of the ten spies is completely unfounded. In other words, they saw, what, they saw something that wasn't even there. They thought that they were grasshoppers. But actually, it says in Joshua 2, it say, Rahab said, I know that the Lord has given you the land and the dread of you has fallen on us, that the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before you. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no courage left in any of us because of you. So the idea of perception is they both saw the same thing. Ten spies go in and look at the, twelve spies go in and look at the same situation. One comes back, one group comes back and says, ah. Two says, we can do it. On the other side, they're looking at the same situation from a different perspective. And their hearts are melted. How on earth could they get it so wrong? How? How do we see things so differently? How can we see things that are either completely not true or completely not as what they are? How can we see the same situation but yet see the whole thing remarkably different? How can we see the same people but yet see them remarkably different? 
And this is why it's important because our destinies are, in, 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 uh, in, are involved in this. The spies were terrified of the Canaanites, but entirely failed to realize that the Canaanites were terrified of them. How could they make such a mistake? It's distorted thinking. You'll find that all in, even in our lives, you could find that even interpersonally, I mean, I've had situations where I was totally convinced that this particular person was in the wrong. However, time moves along a little bit further, and then you start to see the person from a different perspective or get another perspective on the same situation. And then you could dis- that I discovered that I was actually completely wrong about the person. Distorted thinking. Something had gone into my thinking that distorted what I saw about either a person or a circumstance. Destinies are either made or they're broken as a result. Let me just explain. In Numbers chapter 15 and verse 38, speaking to the children of Israel, bid them, uh, oh, we're not going to there right now. Yeah, speak, bid them that they make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, that they will put a tassel on the corners of a thread of blue. Somebody say a thread of blue. And it shall come to pass, and it shall be that unto you a tassel, that you may look upon it and remember. Somebody say remember. remember. All the commandments of the Lord and do them, and that you may not that you may not seek after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you use to follow harlotry, that you may remember to do all of my commandments and be holy unto your Lord your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Notice the strange order in the parts of the body. Normally, we would expect it to be the other way around, that their eyes see and the heart desires. It can be both and. In this particular case, our, so two ways that our perception can be altered. One, how our eyes see or our ears hear. And then our heart follows. That's basically psychology 101. How do you alter a person's perception? To show them something different. To show them, how, how, do, you, how do you change somebody's uh, feelings and behavior towards a person? Very easy. All I need to do is take a person's name in a negative context in the same sentence and repeat it a couple of times, and all of a sudden, you'll have a negative perception about that person. Very easy. That's as simple, it's as simple as that. You can post, put a post on Facebook, a perspective. I did this, I did that, and everybody comes into agreement and says, how, oh, how bad that is. What you don't see is the other side of the story. Very easy to do. And when somebody's feelings has changed towards a person, so is their behavior. Basic. You look in the news. You look, out, you look at how they portray President Trump. You look at how they do that. Never once do they paint him in, in a positive light. Ever. Why? It's about shifting perception of people. But in this particular case, it was this. He reverses the order What's in our heart, or in other words, our feelings, our affections, or beliefs, distort our perception. Sometimes it's one way. What we hear, what we see, affects our heart, and then it turns out it affects our feelings. So is the other way, our feelings and our beliefs, and the things in our heart, our assumptions in our heart, affect what we see, or they distort what we see. It can happen in your marriage. Your feelings in your heart can distort how you see your wife or your husband. 
your feelings in your heart, the beliefs in your heart. If you see your wife as somebody there to serve you, I can tell you right now, you'll see her in that light and it'll won't work out very good for you. Same way in terms of your wives, you see your husband in that way. If you see your finances, you see church in a particular way. If you see church, ministry, whatever, however you see, it doesn't matter anything in the world. You'll find that depending on how you see it, will make and break everything. So in this particular place, what we, what we see what we fear, and often what we think we see is not there at all. And how much that affects our life. I went, to, I went to Cornell University, and they, we looked at the, the story of Greek yogurt. One of the things that they said was, people are susceptible to what's suggested to them. People are su- susceptible to what is suggested to them. People are very gullible to the power of suggestion. So if I suggest to you something about a person, it could change your feelings towards them, either one way or another. People are very open to the power of suggestion. An example they used was the idea of Greek yogurt. whole thing about Greek yogurt, taking over the world. Greek yogurt, has got nothing to do with Greece. It's got nothing to do with Greek. There's nothing Greek about Greek yogurt. <laughs> promise you, there's nothing Greek about Greek yogurt. It's all about perception, how it's been portrayed, how it's been suggested. Greek yogurt has got nothing to do with Greeks. There's no Greeks in it. And it does not come from Greece. <laughs> the power of suggestion. Even Shane Willard's, I remember Shane Willard's teaching, he said, to be set free not from the circumstance, but from the fear. Why? Because the fear in the heart will distort what you see. So when David and Paul were both in bad situations, one of the things that they prayed was that we would be delivered from the fear, not the circumstance. Many of us will get overcome by fear and look at the circumstance and say, oh. <laughs> In Psalm 34, David says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord. Magnify. In other words, lift up the Lord. Make him bigger in our life. Together with me and let us exalt or lift up his name uh, together, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. He didn't deliver me from the circumstance of the time, but he delivered me from the fear of the circumstance. Why? Because if, I'm, if, I've, got a, if I've got fear in my heart, I, you and I can see the same circumstance, but if I allow fear to dominate my thinking and dominate my beliefs, you and I will see that thing in completely different ways. You'll get overcome with it, Someone else will get, you'll see that wall in the same thing. I'll either be intimidated by that wall, I'm going to see that as my opportunity to get up and become stronger. What I won't do is allow fear to get inside of my heart. Come on, somebody give me an amen here. Let me just break it down real quick for you. What the issues were in regards to the, um, the, the spies. One of the things what they, was simply this. One, they had an all or nothing thinking. Everything was black or white, good or bad, easy or impossible. That was the spies' verdict on the conquest. It was an all or nothing. It couldn't be done. There was no room for dialogue. They could have said it would be difficult. But we could do it. 
there was just black and white thinking. It was all or nothing. It wasn't, yeah, there's some challenges there, but I reckon we can pull the resources together and, and I reckon we can make some things that we can work it out. It was none of that thinking. It was just, no, it can't be done. There's no reason, there's no dialogue. There, it just simply can't be done. I can't prosper. I can't do that. I'm resolved, I, I, I'm resolved to this. Some people, they have an all or nothing thinking in it. No room for dialogue. No room for even just looking or exploring possibilities. Sure, it looked intimidating. But we can work a way around this. There's nothing too big or too strong for us. All or nothing thinking. Some people, they have an all or nothing, like an all or nothing thinking. Their thinking was a polarized either or. When you have a, a polarized thinking or polarized a belief in your heart, it will distort the way that you think, distort the way that you see it. No room for dialogue. When people can't dialogue over something, it tells me something that there's an either or. Actually, we can do it. One, they had neg two, they had negative filtering or negative uh, emphasis. Uh, in other words, they discounted the positives and their focus remained exclusively on the negatives. The spies began noting the positives. They started with this. They started by saying, the land is good, look at its fruit. Then came the but, but. <laughs> but look at all this. The, they emphasized a couple of things. Yeah, it's a good land, it's, a, it's, it's nice. But, but all this, but this, but that, but this, but that. But they filtered out, for somehow they, their, their, their beliefs or their attitudes, what was in their heart, filtered out everything that they saw, and all that was left was a couple of good bits and the rest negative bits. And you'll find that the same, the same attitude can affect us as moving forward. You can see maybe a couple of good bits, but oh, but look at all this, all the negatives, all the this. It's called negative filtering or negative, influ or negative influence. Of course there's going to be good. Of course there's going to be a bad. But like David said, magnify the Lord with me. Not magnify the difficulties. Some people, they magnify the difficulties as opposed to saying, uh, yeah, it's going to be a little bit tough, but by jolly, we can do it. That's going to be exciting. That's going to be fun. Yeah, the market looks a little bit tough, but we're going to find a way through. We're not just going to close shop and just walk away. When people negative filter, they leave an overwhelmingly negative expression. Disaster rising. Third thing they did. Well, they awfulized things. One of the things they said was they expected disaster, to, they ex actually expected disaster to strike, no matter what. What the people did when they said was this, they said these, these words, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us die by the sword? Oh, our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Things are just going to be, oh, it's just going to be awful. <laughs> why, God, have you brought me to this place to be confronted with this awful person in front of me? Awfulizing situations. Some people can see the same situation. One would see it as an opportunity. One would be overwhelmed with the awfulness and the nastiness of the thing. Not knowing that right there was your place of destiny. In other words, another one that says they're assuming. We assume to know what people are thinking. When usually we are completely wrong because we jump to conclusions about them based on on our own feelings 
not theirs. I'll read that again. Sometimes we jump to conclusions or make assumptions based on our own feelings, not their feelings. Their feelings over there, they were really terrified. These people over here thought they were terrified. Disaster. That is what the spies said when they, interesting what they said was this. We seemed like grasshoppers in, their own, in our own eyes. So perception, how they saw themselves. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We saw ourselves was dumb. We saw ourselves was we were not like the rest. We saw ourselves as uneducated. We saw ourselves as different color, different ways. We were not the same as what they were. And so, in this word it says here, and so we seemed to them. And so we said we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and so we seemed to them. The question is, how the heck did they find that out? They didn't. I can tell you now, they didn't go up to a conversation and have a conversation with them. They were spies in the land. They assumed. They assumed that they thought they were grasshoppers. In other words, they made assumptions about what other people thought. What were totally not true. How often in our relationship with people do we make assumptions based on our own feelings and our own heart attitudes and own heart beliefs on what other people are thinking that are completely not true? I've seen people walk out of this church in deep rejection because they thought I rejected them or pastor rejected them. Made an assumption, there is no way that I reject people like that. But they made an assumption based on their own beliefs in their heart of what I felt about them. Hello? They can destroy people's destinies, not knowing that actually God put two people together, but the, the fact that we were, didn't it, we allowed the pain and the brokenness to distort our feelings, and that's what busted the relationship. Because we just made assumptions about what we thought the other person thought about us. Without stopping to think and ask the question, am I seeing this the right way? Am I hearing this the right way? Without even stopping for a moment to say, can I just check that fact? Can I just ask this? You could find, you could, your destiny could be released or bound by the fact that you just make assumptions about other people. Another one, they, they have formed a perception based on their own subjective fears. They had fear in their heart, and that formed something that really wasn't there. I wonder how much that really affects our lives. An ability con to conform. In other words, they rejected any evidence or arguments that might contradict your negative thoughts. The spies heard the counter-argument of Caleb, but dismissed it. They heard that Caleb said, oh, we can do it, but they dismissed it. They decided that any attempt to conquer the land would fail and were simply not open to any other interpretation of facts. That's it. We can't do it, that's it. I don't care what you say, we can't do it. This person, they've made judgments in their heart. Emotional reasoning, another one they say is they, they let their, their feelings dictate their thinking. Now here's a powerful one. Because yes, we are emotional people. 
many of us are either primarily either, either uh, intu intuitively based or logically based. In other words, we process the world either by our feelings or by our intu intuitiveness, our intuition, <laughs> or, the, or, or our logical thinking. There's two ways that people process the world around them. And that is why emotions, being led, in, being led by your emotions, is very tough for people that are intu intuitive. Why? Because your emotions can send you up the garden path. I've, I've seen people walk away from church because, or withdraw in their heart because of their emotions. They were not led by the Spirit of God. They were led by their emotions. People withdraw out of their emotions. Emotions affect people's behavior. Emotions are good, like, a, like, like I was preaching the other week. It's like a paradox. Emotions are good. We need, it's what creates life. It's part of, but yet at the same time, if we don't bring our internal life into subjection to our spirit, to a spirit of faith, actually what happens is that can distort how we see the world. Emotionally reasoned. Here it is. It says here, a key example is their interpretation of the spies with this. They said that the cities were large and fortified in numbers. In, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, here's another, words, another way that they've described it. How this, this is how they saw it. They said they had walls up to the sky. They said in the Bible. The walls, they weren't just gutters. They weren't just 20 feet tall. They went all the way up to the sky. They didn't. But you can see how what was in their heart affected what they saw. It shaped everything. The last one they did, they let their emotions stub substitute for thought or faith. You and I are emotional people, but when we allow emotions to become, uh, uh, get in the way of faith, that's when we start to go up the garden path. Another, another one, last one of the last ones they did was this was they started to blame. Somebody else is to blame for being, uh, uh, must be responsible for our predicament instead of accepting responsibility for ourselves. This is what the people did in the wake of the spies' report. They grumbled against Aaron and Moses. They said as to say, it is all your fault. If only you let us stay in Egypt. People who blame others have already gone down the path to learn helplessness. In other words, when they, when I, one of the things I started with was this. Whenever there is a, a, a difference between cult, where, what, what things are and what things ought to be, people are then faced with two possibilities. We can either ask, what did we do wrong? Or where do we, what do I need to change in my own heart and start to put it right? Or they can ask, who did this to us and search for a scapegoat? Two ways for people to look at it. Here's the life-changing idea. Never let negative emotions or somebody else's negativity distort your perceptions. I'm just going to finish on this because this is just really important. Just start playing. Interesting that the key sentence that says about after what happened was this. They, they made a futile attempt to go into the promised land. They didn't do it with all their heart. They just gave it a token gesture. They got severely defeated and they came back and and then they had to put it right. So they had to go through some sacrifices. They had to go through some process of amending their thinking. And the solution was this. The first verse I brought out. The 
key sentences of the one that's this, when it says, you shall put a blue thread in the corner of the tassels. Somebody say a blue thread. A blue thread in the corner of the tassels. And this is what, something that really struck me. What was it about, why did we put one blue thread in there? So it's simply this, it says, when you see it, in Numbers 15, that when you see it, when you see the blue thread, you will remember all the commandments and you will not follow after your own heart and your own eyes. You will remember the Lord your God. When you see it, when you see the blue thread on this corner, I started to think, what does the blue thread mean? It simply means this. The color blue reminded them of God's throne of glory. In Ezekiel chapter 24, verse 10, it says, And when they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet like a paved work of sapphire stone, blue, as it is in the very heaven in all its clearness. This particular color blue, one that brought their attention back to the throne of God, that God is above all. One of the things we've got to have in our lives, whenever we face against the wall, whenever we come up against a situation, whenever you come up against something that's difficult, always remember, have something on your life that reminds you that God is still on the throne and that he is for you. When you stand before the throne, the Bible says that he was, his, his, his throne was seated on a sea of emerald stone, a, a, a sapphire stone, blue stone, that whenever you see that little blue thread on the corner of your life, in other words, make space in your life, that every day you're reminded that God is on the throne, regardless of what you're facing. Have a visual reminder, have a time of prayer, come to the house of God, come to a place that you're reminded that whatever amount of whatever wall that you come up against, remember that God is on the throne and he shall not be moved. Oh, come on, Just give the Lord a shout of praise. If you're facing a situation, come up the mountain of the Lord and see how he rules over the face of the heavens and the earth. That, my friend, will shift everything. And this particular color, blue, represents this. It, remember, it represents the purpose and the goal. So one, when everyone, when every time they looked at that little blue tassel in the corner of their life, Reminded them of their encounter of seeing the Lord God seated on the throne. Amen. Two, it reminds them of this, of their purpose and their goal. That we're going to move forward regardless of what stands in my way. In my marriage, we're going to move forward regardless of whether we hit a wall or not. In my finances, we're going to move forward regardless if I hit a wall or not. In my heart, I'm going to move forward regardless if somebody says no. Regardless if the doors look closed, my God sees. You're going to have something on your life that reminds you, make space in your life, that reminds you of who God is, how powerful He is, and what He's called you to. Don't you dare be pulled off track by the perceptions of negative people. I've just, I've just shortened it up. Today. Why don't you stand to your feet and lift your hands? That color blue is a mark of royalty. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Regardless of what you're facing right now, 
when you give your heart to Jesus Christ, when you put your heart in his hands and say, Lord, I declare your sovereignty over my life, you become a royal priesthood regardless of what you're facing. And that, my friend, will give you the strength to see that wall in a completely different light. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Have faith in God, but have faith in me also. When you make space for your life for Jesus, that you put your faith in him, your heart will be less troubled. Father, I bless your people today. Father, when any person here is coming up against the wall, Father, let them resound in their heart in this moment that they are a royal priesthood, that you are for them and not against them. Lord, that we may face a wall, we may face up an army. I shall not fear. I thank you, Lord, that you lift me up to set my feet upon a high place. Lord, I bless your people today. Lord, may you cause them to prosper. May you cause every one of us when we come up against their wall that our hearts will be lifted and that, Lord, that you would pull us forward into greater things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, all God's people said, one more time, all God's people said.